Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast. And it is absolutely amazing. They have characters. They have actors. They have different people doing voiceovers. It is so ridiculously dope. Y'all got to check this out. Um... I'm, I'm like, I'm enthralled. I'm, I I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you, all the actors are, they're straight, they're queer, they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they, thems, they, thems. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And, and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all. It's your fan, Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you live from my humblest abode of books. I got a lot on my mind, and um, it's a miracle. So we're going to go with it because the executive dysfunction in this ADHD brain, Lord have mercy. Let me tell you, the spicy brain of mine, it's just, whew. So for me to have a lot of things to talk about right now and be able to focus on some of them is nothing short of a miracle. Let me say that. I have come to some... I don't know what, what, spiritual crossroads, right? Spiritual watershed moments. That's what we'll qualify them as. Um, one of them right now is my goals, okay? Because I'm starting to feel physical pain simply from getting out of bed. And that is a very 50-year-old thing. I am waking up in the morning, child. I am making sounds to both sit down and stand up. Welcome to my world. Child, I saw a TikTok video of a woman falling. <clears throat> and when she fell, <laughs> when she fell, she said, I'm done. I'm fucking done. World, just run me over. And I was in tears. You hear me? I laughed out of recognition. I laughed out of identification. I laughed out of empathy because my six foot four, 235 pound ass, if I fell, bitch, that's the end of the day. That We can all go home. That The show is over because it's a long way back up. <laughs> And I'm starting to realize that physically, I, I've, been, I've been waiting tables since the very early 90s. And I need to tell you that I physically don't know if I still have it to wait tables. I've been training at this restaurant, working fine dining, the potential to make obscene amounts of money. Easily could pull six figures at this job. Easily. And my body 
sat me down uh, yesterday and said, uh, John, I, I need you to sit down for a second. I sat down. I said, yeah, what's up? And my body said, bitch, um, I don't know how to break this to you, bitch, but we old. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm fine. I look good. What you? No, no, bitch. You're not listening, bitch. Your organs, all right, you, you have to pee every 10 minutes, okay? Your bladder goes into code red when you do have to pee and you have 20 seconds to get to the bathroom, okay? You groan both getting up and getting down, all right? Um, we not going to be running around a restaurant eight hours a day, bitch. It's not going to happen. I, I don't know how else to tell you, but we, we, we ain't doing this. And I'm like, yo, but like I got bills and, and the body's like, and, and I get that. I get that. I totally, I see where you come from. I feel you, fam. I feel you. But um, yeah, uh, that don't matter. <laughs> Um, my lungs are like, hey, look, Jay, cigarettes, crack, heroin, meth, you done put a lot of things in here, homie. We, we ain't got it like that no more. Like, you know, the well is dried up. Like we, we can't do five nights a week running around a restaurant. I'm like, okay, how about four? They're like, yeah, see, here you go with that bullshit again. You're not listening. You're not listening. We can give you two. We can give you two nights a week, but that's it. Yeah, but two nights a week, that you're only talking like 400 a week. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, we're aware. We're aware. See, that's why we got together with your prefrontal cortex and we decided to go to college. See, and you got this master's degree because we kind of knew that in the near future, not, not the future, the near future, we, we weren't going to be running around the restaurants no more. So we prepared for the chair and the desk and the office. And for you to like advise students, you know, put some grades in the laptop thingy there and, and like, you know, sit your old ass down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sit the fuck down and, and yeah, be old. It's time for you to be old. You, you notice there's not a lot of brunette left in your beard. You see how it's all that silver? That silver shit, yeah. See, you know why silver kills vampires? Because vampires are old. And silver is a sign of old age. And it shows that, like, you know, silver kills you. So, like, you know, the gray hair is a symbol. It's a metaphor for the stake through your heart. Like, you're done. You're done, bitch. It's garlic. You're done. Okay? So, I'm going to need you to start looking at professor jobs. But you keep looking at waiting tables. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I, it's, I love it. It's fun, you know, running around a restaurant, you know, selling big bottles of wine. Yeah, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. You, you, you're still not listening, babe. Not, honey, it's over, bitch. It's over. So that's that's one of the epiphanies I've had. So I'm, I'm starting to look around at, at professor jobs and teaching gigs and starting to accept the fact that I I just don't have it. I just don't have it. I've seen 60 and 70-year-old waitresses running around a restaurant and, and they hold up real well, but bitch, you don't see them in the Epsom salt after work. You don't see them crying 
over the tequila shop because they need that tequila to kill the pain they're feeling. Like, it's done. It's done. Capitalists has taken the best your body had to offer, and it thanks you for your service. And it's going to need you to do something else to keep producing for the economy. So you're done. So that's that's one epiphany I have. Okay, the other, uh, another epiphany that, that I'm experiencing lately is um, I might be single till I die. I, I might be single till I die because I've read too many books. I've gone to too many therapy appointments. And I'm starting to realize there's very few healthy motherfuckers in the world. Including myself, I'm, I'm not all the way there, but the bar has been raised higher. And if you are a person who was born male, who isn't transitioning, and likes to wear makeup and long skirts, it, it's going to be even that much harder to find a partner. Plus, you don't accept toxicity anymore. So you, you, you might die. You might, I'm, not, I'm not saying you will. I'm not saying you will. But you might die single and we we need to we need to navigate a path in which you are okay with this outcome because that's the truth that's the the whole truth and we we are at an age now where we we practice accepting reality so i'm gonna need you to to get on that and and start accepting that one you don't have the physicality to be running around a restaurant 40 hours a week. And two, you might not find somebody to love you in a healthy manner the way that you represent yourself. So we need you to start being okay with these two uh, middle age factors. I don't even know why they call this middle age, bitch. I'm 53. I'm past middle age. Okay. I, I got maybe 20 years left. Okay. On average, 20. If I'm lucky, 20. So... I'm going to need you to do something more with that. Another epiphany I have is after I bust my ass to write this book and I put these uh, excerpts into my Patreon account, patreon.com slash blackfluidpoet, by the way. Um, But this book might not sell. This might be the best work you have ever produced, but it might not be the best seller you're hoping and dreaming it will be. And... You may need to be okay with that. And and at best, you completed a goal and a promise to yourself. And although you may not find it in Barnes & Noble, you did that shit. And I'm proud of you. That might be the best you're going to get. And y'all, out of all three of these epiphanies, that last one is pissing me the fuck off. You know, I um I went to the store tonight. I bought cigarettes. I got some bread. I got some bologna. And I'm down to $40. I don't mean $40 today. I don't mean $40 um, in my checking account. I mean $40 in total, which is another reason why I might be single the rest of my life. Um, but I don't have money. I don't have any real substantial amounts of money. I have nothing. And I've been living hand to mouth my entire life. Sometimes by choice, but right now it is what it is. And I need to really like 
for real, for real, except that I might die poor because I chose to get a degree in writing instead of economics, instead of finance, instead of business management, instead of all these other careers I could have went to that a capitalist society would be more embracing. However, I chose the arts. More than that, I chose writing, creative writing, which isn't even acknowledged as an art, um, but it is what I do. And there's something about being in my 50s. I just turned 53, April 29th, by the way. Um, I didn't get a lot of... 400,000 followers, y'all. I think I got like $80 in birthday cash app money, but it's whatever. <laughs> I was I was a little I was a little disappointed because I was I was hoping there'd be a there'd be a lump sum that I'd be able to go to Barnes and Nobles and just run shit and then like go have a great dinner. But you know it is what it is, and 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 that's okay. You know I put myself in this position by choosing to be a poet instead of an economist or a politician. So it is what it is. However, um. I find that at in middle age, there is this level of acceptance that one must achieve in order to continue on. You know, when you turn on the news or open up your social media platform even, and you hear that the world has not only not gotten much better than the day you were born but may possibly have, in fact, gotten worse. Some of that you may tend to take personal, like, well, you know, what did I do to really make a, a, a better world? What have I done to make a difference? And then there is, even if I did that shit, these motherfuckers are on a whole nother level of dumb shit, and this is the world they want, and I don't want it. And that's just how it is. And I need to accept that so I can take my next breath or not accept it and not take my next breath. And I don't know about you, but I like breathing. So I'm kind of wading the waters of this most troubling time I'm seeing around the nation. There's something about getting old and... I think of this metaphor of a shoulder shrug of like, you know, you can only do but so much. And and I think I want to, I want to tell this to the younger generations, but then again, I don't because I don't want younger people to think, oh, so it's not going to get any better, so I shouldn't even try. Then again, I don't want younger people to think if we do this shit, we could change the world in five years because bitch... <laughs> that ain't gonna happen either. I can tell you that I have found joy in the most peculiar places. I don't mean like random shit like a baby laughing or, you know, seeing a couple in a park holding hands, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I have found joy in strange shit. I found joy. I'll give you an example. I found joy in watching the demise of Donald Trump more than younger generations would because I was alive when Donald Trump called 
for the death penalty for the Central Park Five. I was on this planet when that happened. I was living in New York City when that happened. I know how much of a bastard Donald Trump has always been. And the only people that really admired him were people who just were so dead, like rappers, people who, who grew up in the projects, who always wanted money and didn't know what it meant to be a capitalist, but knew that they were tired of being hungry. I, I found, I find, find, not, not past tense, present tense, I find ecstasy in knowing Donald Trump's going to get put under a prison. I do. I find ecstasy in it. I think it is the greatest, what is the word I'm looking for? Paragon of what justice looks like in my head. Shit just coming full circle and obliterating his existence. I, I love it. I love, I'm so... You know, finding out that motherfuckers from the Proud Boys just got busted for sedition, got convicted, knowing they're going to snitch on the, on the Donald. I'm, I'm like, maybe there is a God. It, 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 it's possible. I'm not saying it's definite, but it is a definite possible that there is a God. Because Donald Trump been a bastard for a long time. And I'm I'm just... I don't know if it's cynicism or sadism, but I'm just looking forward to his demise because he's been just an awful human being for so long. That being said, I think about my mom every day. My mother died in 2003, y'all. And I got to tell you, I think about my mother every day. Let me say that one more time. My mother died 20 years ago. And I think about my mother every day. This is for the younger generations. If, if your mother is still alive, I don't care if you talk or not, if you love her or you don't. If you're keeping distance because of her toxicity and breaking generational curses and yada, yada, yada. You cannot prepare yourself for the death of your creator. Yeah, I, I, I didn't misstep. I meant that shit. Your creator. You, you can't prepare yourself for the loss of the person who sacrificed their physique their appearance, their peace, their serenity to bring you into this world. You can't prepare yourself for the loss of that person. I don't care if you're mad at them. I don't care if they abused you. When your mother dies, you enter a new era of life. You become acutely aware of your mortality and you also will not be able to prevent yourself from reflection on everything they told you right or wrong on every hug every 
kissed boo-boo, every curse out, threat, punishment, you will reflect on how your mother treated you, on how, excuse me, on how you treat your own children. You will start seeing women with children in the street and you will have a moment to prepare someone for the death of their mother is like trying to explain an orgasm from intercourse to a virgin. I can't. I can't. All I can tell you is you'll be a different person after it's done. Like, I'm saying, whoever you were 10 minutes before your mother died is a fucking historical ancestor compared to who you will be 10 minutes after your mother died. You will not even be able to recognize that person from 20 minutes former. When I smoke cigarettes, and and this this is why I say this, because my asthma is really bad, I'm getting older, I'm starting to have chest pains, and I need to quit smoking as I light the cigarette. But one of my fondest memories is when my mother was terminally ill and we'd sit in her bedroom. We would smoke a whole pack of cigarettes together and watch Law and Order. Reruns, just like a whole marathon of Law and Order. And we would try to figure out who the killer was before the show got to the midpoint. And it was a game that we played for like two years, three years before she died. It's after she came home from prison and just before she died. And the thought of not smoking feels like I'm trading in those moments. It feels like I'm losing my mother all over again. It it sounds silly in some ways and immature and, and like an excuse. But in other ways... You may not see it, but there's tears in my eyes right now. When I light a cigarette, I feel possessed by my mother. I feel like my mom is in the room. And I miss that woman. Like you wouldn't believe. With all of her flaws and all of her toxicity and struggles and Whether she was bipolar or borderline, I don't know. But she went through a lot of trauma and she never got treatment. And I had to endure all of it. But I'd give up so much just to have her back one more day. Just one more day. Look, y'all, I got to pay some bills. Uh, We'll be right back. Hey, y'all, your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However, the way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, 
see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I, I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because, yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care. Hey, y'all. You ever heard of an amazing young woman by the name of Zinzi Smith? Well, I have. And her and I had just an amazing conversation on Beyonce's internet. I will have you know that 20-year-old Zinze Smith has her own black woman-owned business for an entire year now teaching spin classes. And let me tell you, she's enthusiastic. She wants the world to know that she's ready to help you shed them pounds from Thanksgiving and Christmas and help you keep up that New Year's resolution that all of us middle-aged people like to make while we're still making them. So I, for one, am going to try and take one of her classes, just $15 for an online class with Zinzi Smith. She also teaches in person in studios in Brooklyn and in Queens and NYC. And all around, I got to tell you, I am just in awe of her. So you can reach out to her on Spin With Zin. That's Spin With Z-I-N on TikTok and on Instagram. And let her know that you heard it here on Black Fluid Poets Podcast. And you're trying to shed them pounds and keep up that New Year's resolution. You feel me? So give her a shout out. Let me know how it went. And we are back. What's good? What's good? What's good? I needed a minute, bitch. (laughs) So I want to talk about... A couple of different things. But first, we, we got we to gotta deal with this, y'all. We got to talk about this. I want to talk about Jordan Neely. And, and while talking about Jordan Neely, a lot of other things are going to come up because there's a lot to cover. All right? So, so be patient with me. I promise you I'm going to do my best to not make this depressing, but more academic and more intellectual. First of all, horrible loss. Uh, I feel for his family. I feel for anyone that knew him. I feel for anyone that had experienced him in New York City. Shout out to Lower East Side. They keep talking about North Houston, NoHo. Bitch, that shit ain't NoHo. That's the LES. That's the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Okay. So that's first of all. All right. That's Boricuaville, bitch. That's a Puerto Rican neighborhood. It always will be to me. I don't care how many gentrifiers move into that neighborhood. The Lafayette subway station is the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Buck what you heard. Okay, so that now that that's out of the way. The death of Jordan Neely is disgusting. Okay, we got that out of the way. Um, he didn't deserve to be murdered the way he was. Okay, we got that out of the way. It's not up for debate. I'm not here to argue that point. I'm not here to, to discuss any of the opposition to that point because the shit was wrong all the way around. What I want to talk about is the fact that the man who choked Jordan Neely to death was not arrested on site. Okay. Um, 
And I believe this happened for a couple of different reasons. One, because this person was male and a Marine, and officers look up to the Marine Corps. They're trained to, they're trained to worship the Marines, they're trained to assimilate to the ideals of the Marines, except for the honor part, because cops just be fucking that part up nationwide. However, there is something about alpha males and winning that is paramount to the culture. I watched uh, the Redeem team with uh, Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and that whole basketball team that went to the Olympics in Beijing, China and won it after they had lost uh, some years earlier. And winning was the only thing that mattered. And when this Marine murdered Jordan Neely, he essentially won. He won a fight. He won the the room, the subway car, the moment. Um, and there's something about toxic masculinity and alpha males that applauds that shit, no matter the circumstances or the details. And that's ugly, but it's true. And and most of us aren't any better, you know. Um, one of my favorite movies in the world is Tombstone. And I love how Val Kimmer walks into the woods dying from tuberculosis and doesn't give a fuck and still takes on Johnny Ringo, puts a bullet in his head, kisses him goodnight. And that is still a part of toxic masculinity. I have never bothered to count how many people die in that movie. How many gunshots there are in that moment. How many bullets fly in that movie. I've never done it. Because it's irrelevant to me. Because it's all about winning. And that is something that has been pressed on me. Pushed on me since birth. Since being a part of the United States of America. Since being part of manhood and masculinity. Winning is everything it's it's essential for capitalism it's essential for manhood being number 1 the top only room for one on at the at the at at the the um the, the precipice of the mountain when on top when pushed to your to your absolute end coming out overcoming persevering um no matter what on top, being a pillar of strength. This is a requirement to be an alpha male. No matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, you cut your losses and you win. I've been reading a, a book that was just recently released. And um, the book was written by Lewis Gordon and it's called Fear of Black Consciousness. And in the book, he talks about neoconservatism and neoliberalism. And in neoliberalism, there's this emphasis on individuality, right? You are kind of like that whole bullshit Theodore Roosevelt, you know, the pugilist, the man alone in the ring. It's just him and this fight. And, you know, of course, we're not talking about, you know, the, the cut doctor in the corner, the coach, the manager, 
the fans, the mother who birthed him, the father who raised him. We're not talking about any of that. It's just this one man alone in the ring. The one man alone at home plate to bat. You know, it's just him against the pitch. Not even the pitcher, just the pitch. And it's this bullshit that we have fed ourselves. We've been indoctrinated by this neoliberalism ideal. And then the neoconservatism, it's about groups. But some groups are more important than other groups, like the banks. The banks are more important than the citizens. And white people are more important than black people. And straight people are more important than queer people. And cisgender people are more important than trans people. And religious people are more important than non-religious people. And all of that is because people with money are more important than people without money. And yada, 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 yada down the list. And in this one moment of Jordan Neely taking his last breath and a Marine choking him out, there is this plethora of intersectionality that's happening. This white Marine, this black subway busker, um, this sane person versus this quote end quote for for you know for the sake of argument for this moment this insane individual, um, this person who may have had some money and some some substance in the bank versus this person who was homeless, and you know, scraping together coins on the train, and you know godliness and elitism and and you know a marine versus a bum and and there's all of these mechanisms these this one giant system with all these mini systems working in my brain at that moment and it's taking years of reading books and years of sitting in school and years of listening to lectures and you know, just scouring my brain completely clean of bullshit for me to understand that all of those mechanisms were working at that moment. That at the moment Jordan nearly died, the sad reality is there's a great, great number of people in this country that celebrated it. And I'm quiet because it's the truth. There are people who secretly are grateful that it's one less homeless person in this world, one less black person in this world, one less subway performer annoying them on their way to or from work. It's one less person screaming obscenities on a train. And although there are people like me who see the humanity in Jordan Neely and see the this landscape of sorrow that we couldn't get him the mental health he needed that we couldn't just get him a room in a motel somewhere for a shower that we couldn't we wouldn't do the work necessary to make sure he was better taken care of with all of that, I'm well aware of the fact that the bottom line is in a capitalist society, those who believe in capitalism would consider it a benefit that he's gone. And that's what we're up against. 
We are screaming about a person's humanity in a society where humanity is irrelevant. And that's what we're up against. And when I talked to you earlier about being middle-aged and having this phenomenal level of acceptance, here is one area of my life, of our lives, that I will never find acceptable. And we need to send a message to the world that although we live in a very, very violent country that that embraces its guns and holds close to war, there are many of us here that as the top priority, we believe it is humanity. And we see the humanity in each other and random strangers on the street. And we know that many of the struggles they have are not any fault of their own. It is because of the society that we've allowed to flourish that they live in. And maybe, maybe today will be the day that we will do more to change the climate of the world that we are living in. Maybe we can exclaim that Marine should be in fucking handcuffs right now. And we aren't going to settle in. Our short-term memory isn't going to take over. And we are going to fight until Jordan nearly receives justice because justice of what love looks like in public. A quote from Dr. Cornell West who, I believe, quoted Dr. King. Justice is what love looks like in public. And we need that. Remember to love yourselves. And if you fall short today, baby, just remember you can start your day over anytime, anywhere, with anybody because loving yourself is the most important thing you can do right now. Y'all peep my Patreon account, patreon.com slash blackfluidpoet. It's where the memoir excerpts are going. And I will see most of you on TikTok and other social media platforms. I love you. And good night, mom.